Welcome to Candela. I'm Christopher Hooten. In this episode, my co-host Alan Scheller and I speak with Ray Collins, an ocean photographer from the east coast of Australia. Ray is known for his bold, Turner-esque images of monolithic waves, and if you're listening to this and are unfamiliar with his work, it might be worth checking it out quickly first. His website and feeds should be easy enough to find. We hope you enjoy the show, and hit us up on Instagram where we're at Candela Podcast. That's at C-A-N-D-E-L-A Podcast. I can't remember exactly when I first saw your work, Ray, but it's pretty jaw-dropping and very dramatic. And, you know, your use of light and textures and, yeah, your natural environment is a really inspiring thing to see. And I'm sure you've inspired lots of people to look at the sea differently, photographically and non-photographically as well. What made you first want to get in the ocean and, and snap away? The ocean, first and foremost, before I picked up a camera, uh, the ocean's kind of been, I don't know, my kind of best mate, my best friend, and the one thing that has always kind of just been in my life from my kind of earliest memories till now, yeah, even just being a really small child, like we were always at the beach. I remember going underwater on my mum's back and just thinking, wow, like this is just a beautiful kind of otherworldly kind of experience. And, um, yeah, it, it never left me growing up. And I guess whatever I whatever I was going to do in my life, the ocean would always be, you know, the kind of theme that always ran in the background. But fortunately, um, I started documenting it in 2007 where um, I had an injury at my old work, which was uh, an underground coal mine of all places, Mm. Uh, one one kilometre down into the ground and about 30 kilometres in, I uh, trod in a pothole and my knee kind of just gave way under me and that was the start of a blessing in disguise, really. So was this one of those kind of, coal mining communities where like you know a lot of people in town work there it's kind of sort of a given that you might do if you shift down there that kind of thing totally yeah um i feel like it's changing now but all the housing all of the industry was built around uh coal mines and steelworks so yeah it's a much nicer place to work out in this out in the ocean isn't it i imagine than than in a mine aesthetically (laughs) <laughs> this yeah yeah it's uh it's i refer to it as my my black life my old life and my blue life which is uh my new life so although it's it's weird they're they're both like very elemental you know one is kind of digging rock out of this giant rock we live on the other is these vast <laughs> waves so it's all very uh, all very connected to the earth that's for sure yeah totally it really is what will you do next planting tree yeah you go, go something in the air something. i'm going to the <laughs> sky yeah, next yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so i kind of imagine i was you know your decision when you had this injury to you know pick up a, a camera it's probably not a, a very common one around there is it like with the people you work with down, down in the mines kind of like okay he's 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 pivoting to this well when i when i bought a camera it was only just to pass time while i was in rehab because i couldn't walk or drive so i just needed something to do um mentally um stimulating because i couldn't do the normal things i was doing so it never i never had intentions of really taking it anywhere i just wanted to learn the craft and just study uh the manual because i had all this free time in my hands so 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I picked up the camera. Obviously, I hadn't fallen in a big pothole in a mine or anything, but I, uh, I, I picked it up just completely not thinking about it being work just for, and just fell in love with it. Yeah. And then, and then got, got obsessed <laughs> and just spent all my time thinking about it. That's how it went for me. Yeah. I hear. I think, I think I read somewhere that you were, you were reading the, uh, the manual over and over. I like that because, you know, you've got to really understand your, your weapon, haven't you, first and foremost? Yeah, totally. Um, I just worked out like if these three elements like ISO and, and aperture and shutter, like you, they're just, you play with one and the other two are kind of, they all work intrinsically together. And once I understood the kind of basis for that, it was like, oh, I can kind of manipulate the light how I want to, how I want to kind of show it, you know, mm. underexpose it or, or whatever. So yeah. once that started clicking and then I put it in real world scenarios, then I found that, yeah, I was able to express myself. Yeah, and so many photographers go, oh, I don't understand the settings, you know, I just feel it, man, or something like that, you know, and, and it's like you're missing out on a huge part of it. <laughs> if you don't actually look into it, you know, you can't express yourself fully or, get, yeah. you know. Um, but, I mean, look, people will hopefully have seen your pictures before, you know, will have queued up uh, a slideshow. Um, what's the most important thing for you? Obviously light is, is super important, but I, I'm just, I don't really understand how you get, how you get these shots. Um, <laughs> like it, it, obviously there's a lot of waiting involved must be. Um, but to freeze that moment, uh, it, obviously super high shutter speed, I imagine to, to get that look. But, um, yeah. What, what's your process? Do you, do you hang out in a certain area that you know has got a reef break or something or, or do you, how does it work? Do you just swim around and you're like, oh, look, there's a wave, bam. Yeah, I guess, I guess it would be interesting to, yeah, to hear literally where where you where you place yourself as well because some people might think this guy's on a boat. Some people th- might think they're on a surfboard. Some people might think you're just swimming. It's kind of, yeah, it'd be good to hear your sort of your process. All right. I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. So light is uh, incredibly important. Obviously, a a photograph can't exist without light. Uh, Water is the other element. So with those two uh, things combined, that's the basic recipe for all of my photos. So what my process is behind taking an image, uh, it starts well before I've picked up a camera. Um, It starts on the internet looking at storms, um, looking at... um, the Bureau of Meteorology and lining up the sun and the tides and what the wind's going to be doing and just tracking it to uh, a certain coastline, just monitoring it and then thinking, okay, this day looks good. I'm going to pack the car or I'm going to jump on a plane and I'm going to meet this storm and I'm going to take photos of these waves where they end. So if you can imagine throwing uh, a stone into a pond and you get that spread of... uh, so those little lines that spread out that's yeah, what ripples. that's that's a really small version of of how i approach uh what i do so yeah most of the time i'm swimming i have my camera in a water housing and uh that's like an airtight box which has buttons that line up on the back of the camera so you can still access all of the functions while you're in the water um unlike a lot of other studios my studio is constantly in flux it's pulling and pushing and the walls are caving in and it's trying to pull you underwater so you do have very split seconds to make decisions and um and to change your settings and to compose and focus and keep water droplets off but yeah once it all clicks um and you nail something that's 
that's the kind of images I guess that you see uh, on my website or mm. in my books or whatever. Mm. That's that's interesting. So what what are the elements that you are able to manipulate and use settings wise when you're out there, and what things are just you know obviously changing lenses not <laughs> doable, but like what are you what things are open to you to to play around with while you're swimming or treading water? So I'm able to position myself uh, on, on different parts of say a wave is breaking. Uh, on a football field size reef, I can approach that wave from far left or far right, depending where the sun is and what kind of image I want to portray. And then I can, you know, either do a kind of slow shutter um, or, you know, really open fast aperture and high shutter speed. Um, and you can, yeah, you can tell several different stories from the same conditions uh, all with, you know, that little box recording device in your hand so mm. I, I mainly use prime lenses um i specifically spend usually a year or two with one lens and i don't use any other lens in that year and i just really kind of do a traineeship with it and learn all the personality kind of traits and where it excels and where it lacks and yeah that way if i ever go back to pick up the 50 or the 85 or the 105 i kind of already know it i've already put the time in with it so yeah I guess um, that's that's kind of the part of the process too. It's really funny because that, that's literally what I, I did as well, uh, but just on the street. So I started with a 50 and then went to a 35 and now I use a 24 yeah. um, and, and a 90 sometimes. And I usually carry one at a time. So yep, it's, exactly. it's, it's quite funny. It, it simplifies it, doesn't it? Yeah, there's less to think about. Yeah, you're not looking for things that you can't shoot. Yep. You just, Which gives, you, yeah, but you will get the ones that you can. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right that's exactly right oh, yeah, yeah, you, miss, you miss so many but you get some and then that's the, the ones i guess yeah. yeah um yeah so i mean there's so much i don't know and i, I probably sound you know kind of amateurish but with it but some of the some of the shots you get this like uh like really crystal blue tip to the wave um is that just uh where is that the, the, the characteristic of the water you know, being so clean in a, in a particular area, or is it just where the light hits it at the right time? Yeah, I think I think I saw someone online referring to that as like the glass, where you can, mm. where you're actually able to see through to the other side, as opposed to just you know the opaque kind of blue. Totally, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's usually the thinnest part of the wave. Uh, it's either reflection or refraction that's happening in that moment. So it's uh, just light reacting with water, and they're kind of the moments you can't really plan for. They just happen in front of you and you're lucky enough to be there do you do you single shot it or do you do bursts uh i'm using a d850 now which shoots i think eight frames a second so that's they're the bursts i'm looking yeah. for uh yeah yeah because I, I can imagine you'd want to like it's such a fast moving thing you want to make sure that you that you get either side of it <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> yeah yeah but I also want like a uh, maximum kind of resolution as well because I tend to print my photos a lot. So in my kind of reasoning, I'll lose a couple of frames and I'll go for a bigger resolution uh, mm. and rather than, you know, the typical sports camera and get, yeah. you know. Ray, I understand like you started out more shooting surfers on the waves, right? And then, yeah, right. um, which is obviously, you know, a perfectly credible thing and there are a lot of incredible shots that are done with surfers, but then... At what point did you have this kind of eureka moment that maybe you could kind of elevate your photography by stripping the humans out? Well, it's kind of funny in the way that 
that came about because if you remember what I said earlier, having that injury led me to photography. It was like this, uh, I don't know, inherently bad thing led to this great thing. Um, the same kind of thing happened. So I shot photos for all of the surfing publications and, and um, sporting magazines around the world for about five years from 2007 till 2011 uh, of surfers. And I started off just shooting my friends around home. Um, that's when I was doing rehab and all the way up to the top guys like um, Kelly Slater, for instance, who wrote the introduction to my first book. Um, he's the kind of Michael Jordan of surfing, if uh, you're not yeah. aware. Um, Very aware of him, yeah. So I had pretty, I had a lot of experience with shooting surfers, but I found that I kind of just lost the passion for it. Uh, trying to organize uh, team managers and sponsors and the rider to be at a certain place where I think the light and the waves are going to be good to get the photo. It was just, uh, it was just like running on a treadmill and I was just super exhausted from, from doing that. So I didn't pick up a camera for, Almost all of 2012, I kind of just took a step way back from photography and uh, a lot of other things were going on in my life. Uh, I actually kind of stopped drinking alcohol at the same time, which uh, was kind of, you know, in our culture, I'm sure it's the same over there. Like you kind of start binge drinking when you're 15 or 16 and uh, I'd gotten to the age where I was 30. So I'd spent half my life kind of in this cycle of partying and then the other half I was child so I never really had that uh, kind of clarity so I decided uh, to stop drinking alcohol uh, on the 30th of November 2012 and with that free time that I had instead of going to the pub in the afternoon or being groggy or hungover in the morning I just went back to the ocean went back to my kind of safe place for therapy and uh, I just seen some amazing things so I thought you know what I'm gonna really try and capture the moods and the energy of the ocean in these times because as you both know uh the golden hour is you know generally the first hour in the morning and the last hour of the afternoon so i use that time to do something constructive instead of something destructive mm. yeah b- binge drinking is the thing that definitely our two cultures share britain and australia to- is uh, <laughs> totally. a, a huge thing um totally and yeah i can imagine being hung over in in front of a <laughs> 30 foot wave as well is probably not yeah. not ideal <laughs> and imagine like the also the mining around here that everyone they're just yeah uh, the typical blue collar just sinking, yeah yeah sinking sure. beers and yeah so yeah so when you talk about um kind of planning the planning that goes into one of your images because you know maybe even weeks ahead you're looking at storms and things like that are you also are you pre-visualizing the shot at all or is it more the storm and the wave and then the 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 element of the wave that you end up shooting comes more in the moment it it can happen both ways i feel you, you can just plan the absolute shit out of it and still not get what you were after and then you can just walk walk down the end of the road and get something so uh uh surprising and mm. uh so yeah i definitely definitely borrow from both trains of thought yeah mm. cuz that's one thing that always uh, i really respect about uh your work is you know the talk about the whole like more than one way to skin a cat you know you're essentially just shooting water and yet you found so many different ways to shoot it and there's there's so many different sort of contrasting looks and styles in all in all your it's like you've managed to locate so many different 
parts and sort of personalities of a wave, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I feel like I've seen, I've been blessed enough to see some incredible things. And uh, it's the stuff that I don't get to shoot and document that keeps me going back because some of the things that I've had to process with my eyes, I it's hard to even describe it because it, I would sound like a, a lunatic, <laughs> um, you know, like 50 foot fantails of unbroken water at the base of a cliff with like golden rays shooting through it and then just, I don't know. No, that just doesn't sound nuts. That sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> absolutely gobs- mm. gobsmacked. I really want to come to Ireland. I really want to shoot there. Have you ever shot in um, Nazare or Nazare? Yeah, I have. I I've imagine you there. did some surf, crazy, crazy surfers who go out there. Yeah, that's um, uh, a crazy place. It, it's a beautiful place too. The actual town is amazing, but some of those waves are, yeah, it's the biggest waves in the world. Yeah I, yeah, I think that that you know the videos on YouTube of uh, like McNamara and, and those people going down those yeah. waves uh, really spikes in interest in in people. You don't uh, have to be a surfer to understand that. You don't have to know anything about the ocean to understand that that is a scary situation. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, how powerful he's out running an avalanche. Is. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of injury, um, you know, you've gone from one potentially dangerous situation into another. How, how do you? Uh, keep yourself safe especially if you're chasing storms uh with a camera have you put yourself you must have put yourself in some pretty hairy situations yeah you're constantly assessing the risk and knowing your limits and often the sweet spot is where kind of those two things overlap the point of danger the the risk versus the reward you're really on the edge of that kind of uh i don't know dichotomy of worlds so most of the time i'm sitting where really deep water meets really shallow water and that's where the waves break on the shallow water so it's always trying to pull you into the shallow bit and it's it's like being on a treadmill and then just getting enough time to get a breath and shoot and then you're back on the treadmill and sometimes that can happen for you know several hours but yeah I've, i've had some a lot of close calls and a couple of uh unfortunate kind of thrashings really because mm. mm-hmm. you're obviously you get such a sense of the power of the ocean in your photography that's one of the, the main things and you must have felt that when you know you do get hit and you're being you're sucked under and there's an ability i've had it on a even a small scale when you're being pinned to like you know the ocean floor by a wave it's one of the most sort of awesome fearsome feelings out humbling there. Yeah, yeah massively humbling seriously Every yeah. every life lesson that I've learned has been from the ocean, like uh, respect and and patience and timing and how to go with the flow. And I feel like uh, that's influenced how I live in all other areas as well. Oh, man, you're making me want to go out and shoot. <laughs> shoot in the Thames. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not so much movement in the Thames. You're not going to get a lot of uh, glass waves no, there unfortunately no, maybe a dead cat or yeah a box of chicken mcnuggets or something so social commentary in the thames yeah yeah um well, well, we can always try cornwall True. yeah 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 i'm going there soon actually um yeah because yeah, looking at some of your shots it looks like you have uh sacrificed like a beating off a wave in order to get a shot like there's no way you could have taken you know like with the waves breaking over you that yeah. looks to me like you've gone you know, this is going to hurt a bit, but it's what, you know, hopefully I'll get the barrel, you know, and then you 
and then you shoot, and then you must just get rolled around a bit, and then. <laughs> oh man! Well, imagine carrying like a, a pillowcase full of bricks and putting that up to your face, yeah. and 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 you've got one <laughs> one eye's like you're looking for peripherals, and the other one is shooting with a 135 mil. So you don't know where what is happening where because there's two kind of visions in two different eyes, and um, yeah, a lot of the times the best images come from being caught uh in a bad position so you're like well i'm here it's gonna happen i might as well document it and uh and just cradle my camera and and turn into a ball and hope for the best mm. i love that idea of like you know the, the kind of that that image of like the, the street photographer kind of looking down at the shot after they've taken it i like that in between that for you comes an absolute just pummeling <laughs> oh yeah you just get totally. beaten to shit and then by the end totally. of that then you get to stand on the shore and go oh yeah that one looks pretty good <laughs> or like yeah. che- checking your screen underwater whilst getting rolled around yeah seriously, <laughs> like, seriously. oh i got it <laughs> yeah oh man yeah uh, so uh, i think ray i think i read online that you're um you're colorblind right yeah that's correct and is it true isn't it the case that blue's less affected though right doesn't it usually it affects red and green mostly in people i don't know how it is for you yeah so uh i can liken it to the red and green part of it anyway is if i was playing golf and i put a red tee in the grass it's it's disappeared but i think a lot of blues melt into purples and i mean it's hard for me to say because i don't have a before and after so Mm. i just have what i've seen so i don't have that tool in my arsenal so i j- try to just concentrate more on uh contrasts and compositions and and um yeah the balance between light instead of the saturation and the color because um i, I don't have it so it might be a disadvantage or maybe it gives me a new a different way of seeing things i'm, I'm still not sure yet yeah that's really that's really fascinating like yeah it could definitely seems like it could be both um don't know if anyone's ever because you know you can sort of simulate for people who have full color sighting how how it looks to be how how a certain yep. situation looks to someone who's colorblind. Don't know if anyone's ever done that with one of your photos and t- turned it you know purpley or less kind of defined colors so it's like how you're viewing the photograph. Do, do you want to know a little secret? So my wife, she uh, we're opposite in every way. Like I, I'm kind of just you know gazing at the stars and dreaming of the future, and she's uh, spreadsheets and budgets and just really organized. And um, she says she doesn't have an eye for kind of the arts or anything like that, but she is the last the last person who looks at my image before I release it or before I print it or before I share it online to half a million people. I look at her and I say, hey, what do you think of this one? And she'll just be like, she's from America, so excuse my accent, but she's like, no, uh-uh, that's, the sky is too purple. You, you can't do that one. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just spent like, you know, uh, 20 minutes editing that sky. And uh, yeah, anyway, so mm. she's she's my uh, overarching kind of uh, critic. I think it's important uh, to have someone non-connected to photography to, uh, to, to critique because, you know, I think people who've, who know stuff about photography will look into a picture and see things they like maybe. Whereas, you know, if you can impress someone who knows nothing, if, if they can get the, the impact from a picture, uh, then then it's done, I think. You know, like I, my dad is the best reference for that. He, you know, he's in business. He's very much Mr. Spreadsheet. And, oh, yeah. so, and sometimes he looks at a picture and he's like, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, he's like, I don't know why that's good, but I'm sure it is. And, and then yeah. sometimes he's like, whoa, that's, that's a really good one. And... Uh, 
Is um, your dad actually my wife? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I've never seen them both in the same room together. No, there you go. Uh, but yeah, look no, into she's, that. she's exactly the same as well. So she says those two things. Yeah, it's important. It's, it's important to have that. And when you know someone as well and you can trust their opinion, they're not just exactly. you know, constantly say, oh, it's great, it's great. Yep. Yep. Well, it does hurt, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it really is. <laughs> Actually, I, I yeah. said I do. Yeah, Chris. We, we me and Al have that going times. on. He'll he'll often send me a photo, and occasionally I can be quite brutal. But I'm like, I have to be, otherwise, if I was just like, yeah, it's a good one, man. Yeah, it's a good one, man. Yeah, it's a good one, man. Then it just you wouldn't know. It would, you wouldn't believe me anymore. So you've got. True. <laughs> I know. I know. So, I remember once you you replied. You were like, I don't like it. I just threw my phone down on the sofa. I was like, what does he know? What does that guy know? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> is there dust in the room? I'm not crying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chopping onions. I had a bit of a different question for you, Ray. I was thinking about uh, the old sort of like anatomy photography and how you were kind of a, you do the anatomy of a wave in a, in a little, in a, in a way of, and of the ocean. Um, obviously, I guess a lot of your photos take place where, where it breaks, obviously, but where, where does a wave start? A wave starts uh, from solar winds from the sun and that uh, creates um, fetch and energy and that then travels um, with a difference between high and low pressure then that travels uh, thousands of kilometres and it, by the time it's travelled that, that distance it's spread out and slowed down and gotten really organised and then that's the ripples I was telling you about in the pool. Um, but where it meets where it meets a shallow reef or bathymetry or a wall or some kind of geographical object that changes that straight line into a, a triangle or uh, a barrel, a curve, that's where the, um, that's where the magic happens. Mm. Yeah. The, the triangle is fascinating actually. That's a, something I'd never really seen before. I've, or certainly with my own eyes, I've never seen it make that shape. It's, it's basically hitting a cliff or some other submerged thing and bouncing off a cliff or a man-made break wall and then going uh, at, at, a, at a, a 90 degree angle and meeting with the wave and creating this kind of, yeah, peak, a really big, well-formed triangle. And uh, sometimes those can be just so spectacular to see. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's hard. To, it's hard sometimes to get the, the scale. So um, uh, like for, can you, you must, can you see, I can that? see that? Yeah. Yep. So, so it's hard to tell whether that's massive or whether it's like a little dinky thing. <laughs> it's uh, that, that's that's a, a a very large wave. Um, it's it's basically if you can imagine what a mushroom looks like. Yeah. Imagine a fifty foot mushroom cut in half, so like what you see on a pizza, and then submerged <laughs> underwater. So when a, a straight swell line approaches the head of the mushroom it bends around towards yeah. the stem and then it goes up. Wow. That's what causes wow. that, tr that triangle. So and that's to, a very big old wave. Yeah. It's, it's almost a wave that's wrapped around back onto itself from two different angles. Mm. And it has nowhere to go but up. Yeah. So, so, so does it repeat itself? Do you get multiple opportunities of these things or did that wave just like rise up or, you know, do, do the conditions all come together for a certain moment and you're kind of waiting for that moment to happen or was that picture for example which we'll share online for people to look at uh 
was that a uh, yeah a, a freak occurrence? So, uh, with the planning part of of shooting an image, there is a knowledge that comes with understanding the ocean and understanding different uh, reefs and uh, rocky outcrops and whatnot. So you you make your best educated guess to be at a spot where you think these types of things will happen. And sometimes the wave you just showed me, it may similar things may happen three times in an hour. Similar things might happen three times in 10 minutes. And sometimes mm. you get one in two hours. So it really is um you just you're just out there floating and just enjoying being out there regardless of what's happening. And when it all comes together like that, uh that's kind of the icing on the cake. Got it. Mm. Yeah, and that's the important bit is just enjoying the whole process. And, you have uh, to. Yeah, I, when I when I was younger, well, when I first started doing photography, I used to get really pissed off if I didn't get a shot. And I think mm -hmm. I've I've mellowed out now. I'm just like it will happen, or it won't just, happen. And both of you have to are enjoy. Fine. You have to enjoy the process, don't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. no, that that image in particular, I think, is it might be my favorite one. It's just so novel. The one, like, yeah, for listeners who aren't able to see this, is the one that kind of looks like a, a mountain, essentially. Like, if you didn't look at it for longer than a, a second or two, you might actually be mis mistake it for one. Um, people, have to to it. It, people have yeah. referred to it. People have referred to it as a Matterhorn type. Nice. Uh, yeah. Wave. Yeah. yeah. Well, going back to what Alan was saying about like not knowing the scale, that's kind of part of it, isn't it? And um, there is a quality to the photographs where they don't. You don't really know exactly what you're looking at. They don't even always look earthly and that's something quite nice mm. about that which i guess is the benefit of not having the surfer there as the reference point and uh it reminds me i'm guessing you've seen interstellar at some point that christopher nolan movie where just because there's a big there's a really there's a famous yeah. scene with a really large wave coming in and you know and so it, it does look your work does look somewhat alien at times which kind of just i guess reminds you that we are on <laughs> a large chunk of rock in, in in a void and uh it does does remind you of that um it's incredible yeah, thinking so thinking about we talked about it briefly about traveling and stuff. Obviously, a street photographer will, you know, being able to go to different places makes a huge difference because you get all these different cultures and you know the different aesthetics and just everything. But I mean, is there a huge amount of, of variance? Is it as important? Do you think for you to see different parts of the ocean and different waves, or or not so much? Yeah, I think it totally is. Uh, so I generally have a couple of places uh, on repeat every year that are seasonal, say. So a, a typical year for me is um, so somewhere in Hawaii or that part of the Pacific during their winter from December to March. And then home, like Australia, is really good from March till kind of now-ish, July. And then and also Tahiti is. And then we have Indonesia and, and European winter in uh, on the opposite kind of uh, hemisphere to us. So each ocean uh, definitely has a different feel and a different um, uh, aesthetic, like you mentioned. So like Nazare, you, you can close your eyes and you can picture what that looks like and you may be able to close your eyes and picture I'm not sure if you know where pipeline is in Hawaii I've been I've been to the North Shore there you go yeah so, awesome place yeah it's beautiful that it feels like my second home that that part of the world uh, mm. because of how um, just rich uh, the blues and grays and the kind of um, yeah the, there's a, a color palette that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, that you get on the north shore of Hawaii, and I, I'm convinced that light that 
depending where you're on the earth, the, 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 the light has a very different qu- characteristic and quality as well. Totally. Um, like for, one of my favorite uh, lights in the world is London is in winter time. When, ah. when, when the sun does come out, it's very rare, <laughs> but when it does, it's, it's awesome. And it's, I mean, for my style, for my kind of work, it's, it's really cool. And I was, uh, when I was in Hawaii, uh, I had a, an interesting time, obviously, because black is one of the hardest places I've been to, to shoot black and white, uh, photography of people because everything's True. blue or green True. and the sun and this, there's no contrast because everything's just out open yeah, um, yeah. but I, I loved it anyway but I, yeah I'm the, the, the wave at pipeline is so such a fast break um it, I, it was quite scary to watch I was thinking I wouldn't want to be out there with a camera that's, <laughs> that's, that's killed more people than any other wave in the world yeah because it's like nothing 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 oh shit and then oh, poof, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just behind Pipeline, there's a series of reefs, and behind those reefs, it, it drops off thousands and thousands of metres, and it, it's untouched. So you get the swells from the Aleutian Islands, mm. uh, from the Alaska area, just marching in with nothing to slow them down except to the reef at Pipeline, which is 30 metres off the sand. So they, they jack right up, and they're very yeah. violent and very quick. Yeah, so that's interesting, the colour palette thing and the light difference as yeah. well. I mean, what well, European winter... That must be tough to shoot. <laughs> you don't it want to is. be in the sea around here. I mean, Hawaii in December is very different to, uh, I don't know, anywhere. Like I, I remember shooting in Iceland in the water oh. and it was the light never really got above the horizon the whole day. Uh, so it was kind of almost flat, uh, kind of drab, grey, and we were swimming and it was like snowing and I was just thinking, wow, like this is a great experience and I'm here in the moment and I'm really enjoying it, but what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) What am I going (laughs) to do? What am I doing? (laughs) Pushing it further than that is like, uh, is the Arctic or the Antarctic ever going to be of any uses at all to you or? (sighs) I'm really interested in shooting some ice carving. So just when it's uh, the sheets of ice are falling off the iceberg and exploding, I think uh, I'm going to be working ooh, on that as a yeah, and that's also aspect. depressing. Uh, well, it's it's an important part of uh, what's going on in the world today. The the, the really effect is. of that happening. I, I, really I'm guessing is. you you must feel very strongly about uh, a lot of issues in the ocean. Um, I, I can see that on your Instagram that you you support lots of. Uh, initiatives that you know protect the ocean um totally how, how do you feel do you feel like people are waking up a bit now or, or is it just still business as usual oh man it's it really bums me out like i, I see because i've traveled to third world countries where they don't really have the resources to uh, recycle and it's not in the forefront of their mind because they're just trying to survive so it's like you can't really point the finger at them but i feel like corporations are starting to wake up to the idea because there is so much noise about it from the consumer. And I feel like if we all band together, which we are, um, we're starting to make a bit of noise and, and that is starting to slowly turn. Or It's like a big ship or a big oil tanker. It's not just going to pivot 180 and start going the other way, but we're, we're trying to just slowly crank the steering wheel and just get a few degrees at a time because uh, if we don't, our my photos are going to be relics of what the ocean used to look like and, mm. and our grandchildren are going to just be like, oh, 
why 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 did this happen? Why is it full of why did we overfish? Why is it full of plastic? And uh, we won't really have any good answers for that. So, yeah, I think as a consumer, um, the choice is in all of our hands to um, kind of make a bit of noise and support people who are doing the right thing. And um, yeah, as an artist, I'm always lending my support and my work to initiatives and um, yeah, charities who are. Uh, making an effort and uh, spreading the word on on how to create change. Yeah, yeah. I, I I believe that in a way you, your images are more powerful than than a kind of you know a Greenpeace shot of a, like a turtle swimming in loads of plastic. I feel like people see that and they get have a reaction and they think, oh, well, you know, what the hell am I going to do about that? Uh, yeah. Whereas seeing something like this, you appreciate something and then you look into it yourself, maybe rather than feeling getting a bad thought. Uh, yeah, I've, I guess I've always thought that that you know what you're doing, and like people like David Attenborough who, who go out and shoot wildlife and show its beauty, and then try and make you think uh, this is what we have, and it could all go away. That's that's a really important thing. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. It's funny you talk about the third world countries though, because there is that problem with the somewhat of an echo chamber, isn't there, on social media, where it's a lot of people in the Western world talking to a lot of other people in the western world about it and it's like how do you get how do you make a change in places where they can't really afford to recycle or you know in china where there's the kind of the profit incentive doesn't really it's just that's that's one of the challenges Mm. isn't it but it's a it's a like you say it's an enormous oil tanker to be turned around do you think do you think now is a good time to with covid and kind of the world almost grown into a halt do you think it is possible going forward. I, I don't have an answer to this. I'm, I'm putting it towards you guys. But do you think it's a good time to have a new kind of, I don't know, change in the way we live? I, th- I think, you I know. I think it's like, been I, forced I, on us, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's, there was an extent to which at first, you know, it's like everyone with the pandemic just went went into like survival mode and was, you know, it seemed like it was going to be a really bad thing for the environment because everyone was concentrating on not dying and didn't really have as mm. much time to invest in it. But then at the same time, it's also come with this sort of element of, I think a lot of people feel closer to nature since, you know, during, during lockdown and kind of become more hyper-local and definitely more connected to their communities and, thinking True. more about local produce and things like that just because it's kind of forced this sort of it's like we've had this breakdown of globalization and the supply chains a little bit so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of hopeful that by forcing everyone to kind of get in amongst nature and their local environments that maybe actually it will root us a bit closer to the planet and that will kind of precipitate a little bit of um a little bit more care and thought but i mean that might be optimistic but <laughs> we can hope well, i feel a similar things happening locally in, in around here as well Mm. Mm-hmm. sure yeah well um yeah i guess one other question i have just for you, for you ray and um we, we've spoken about it a little bit and you mentioned about the ice sheets in the arctic was um where are there any other places you still want to go to and i guess specifically you know everyone's always looking to innovate where are you where would you like to go that what you know you think might give you something a little bit different than you've kind of shot before well I did plan on being in Ireland this year. Uh, obviously, that's not happening. Um, but there and Brazil, they're my kind of two places that I haven't been yet that I would really love to spend a good chunk of time there and kind of submerge myself in the culture and, um, yeah, just take photos of uh, just the most stunning landscapes and waves and ocean and uh 
yeah, kind of violent sea spray explosions. So uh, both of those places, um, they I think they're going to present some really beautiful uh, situations for me to document. Awesome. Mm. Looking forward to seeing them. Mm. <laughs> If I ever find myself out uh, Sydney way, I'm I'm prime for a pummeling. <laughs> Get my ass absolutely handed to me by a wave. <laughs> if if either of you are in Sydney, please let me know and uh, we can have coffee and, and go for a swim. Nice. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds really good. Great. Well, it's yes, yeah, lovely to talk to you today, Ray, and uh, stay safe out there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both, and thanks for having me on. It's been uh, an honor and a pleasure. So I really appreciate the time. No, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, pleasure, pleasure was ours.